Hi, this is Florian with 99 Startups and I have today a new podcast guest. Would you be so kind to introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks for inviting me. My name is uh, Julia and I'm head of um, VentureVilla Accelerator based in Hannover and also co-founder of the Blended Value Incubator Vontreneurs based in Ibbenbüren, the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so what's the story? Like how did you become the director of an accelerator and of a of a venture um yeah venture villa yeah right uh well it all started 2016 venture villa and my part at venture villa i founded my own company in 2015 um part-time uh, like using a buzzword sidepreneur and um we are focusing or we focused on using soccer games to develop your own company team. And that's why I started with VentureVilla to become a mentor there, mentoring startup teams in a really early stage, um, how to find their roles by watching soccer. And then in 2018, I joined the CEO board. And from the beginning of this year on, I'm the only CEO now. And yeah, that's uh, kind of uh looking like a, a red line there but um it's more by chance uh and now i'm lucky enough that it's all looking like it's kind of the end of some pass i've predicted beforehand <laughs> so i have two questions now like first how does it help to watch soccer to build a better team <laughs> And as yeah. I think, what did you do before that, like you qualified, um, like to to run such an organization or to mentor others? But first, mm -hmm. let's let's explain how it helps to watch soccer to build a better team. Right. So it's mostly about your own uh, observations during a soccer game. So it starts with yourself and what you're taking your focus on. Um, and after the game, you're discussing that with the rest of your team. And by discussing situations you have focused on, you're coming to a point where you can discuss about what are common situations. Like, for example, if there's a goal against you, how do you behave if you're a soccer team? And how would you think it's the best way to behave um, when there's a goal against you? And talking about the soccer game and the soccer team helps a lot not to get in direct conflicts with your teammates. So it's much more easier to objectify um, possible conflicts by not talking about your own group, but talking about another group. And in the end, there's a spin or the turning point where when you agreed on rules for the soccer game, the question pops up, uh, okay, if that's are good rules to work together why aren't you using these rules or what do you need to do to um, take them over or use them for your own team that's the first one uh, and the second one what qualifies me to become a ceo um, i think i'm not the typical person to become a ceo of a, an accelerator um, because I do have a political science background, studied a few years ago also um, to become a teacher and to skip that um, and 
studied political science, uh, but founding my own company as GmbH and learning by practice what it means to become a founder uh, does help a lot to understand what ups and downs our startups are facing um, during their journey. And does your does your um, startup still run is running or did you um, sell it or shut it down or what 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 happened? No, it's still it's still startups? running, it's still running, but not operational uh, as it was before because of uh, well you all can imagine Corona. It wasn't <laughs> so much fun to uh, watch soccer or even not allowed to go to watch soccer games, and it ha would have been an option to adopt and to find digital solutions. But I decided to focus more on Vontreneurs, so this Planet Value Incubator, because I see and feel that there's much more impact I can um, reach for me, myself, and the world, the startup ecosystem, and so on. So um, if you build an accelerator um up from the beginning like how did you start like did you find money or did you find the startups to help them or what was your first steps to go in this direction yeah right so um the first thing that was important for me was to have a look at who is able to found and who are people we are helping with venture villa and why Do we have such a homogeneous group of people? We are always um, do have applications. Um, and it turns out that a lot of people I've talked to, doesn't matter which age or which gender or whatever, are not founding their own company because they feel a lot of insecurity, even if they are living in Germany. And I would say there's a really good health, social um system to help out if something's going wrong i know there can be some improvements done but uh, on a basic level that's much more better in other countries but even in germany a lot of people are not founding their company because of insecurities and taking a closer look on that one um i totally understand why people are not doing this um i mean i started as a sidepreneur too because i don't want it to have such insecurity too, because we are, were in a family planning phase where it is important as a woman to have your salary because um, based on your salary, your um, Mutterschutz and Elterngeld money is calculated. So it doesn't make sense at all for women to step out of a paid job uh, and to be employed when you're planning to have a kid from an economic view, right? So um, that was the beginning. And then I digged a lot deeper in this topic and found a lot of social and legal barriers um, and decided, okay, we have to do something there. And at the moment, we are in a status where we do have people, I would say, three to five each week reaching out to us, even if we haven't got any capital or not able to provide money for them, but only advice and network. But there is a need definitely for tailor-made services for people not fitting 
the normal startup venture capital approach. Um, yeah, that's my monologue on that. <laughs> Sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, completely fine. You are here to to tell your story. Um, I'm definitely agreeing though. Like it's kind of surprisingly that like Germany has a really well crafted social security system, so you can in theory take a lot of risk without needing to worry that you don't have anything to eat so if you compare this for example for america that's like the complete opposite and still people are not ready to take the risks which is kind of um, surprisingly and seems like to be a bit baked into our culture that like we are really uh, security based and standard based and like please follow the standard route and don't step outside of the social norms kind of it seems like yeah and but Yeah, I think you have to decide on that one uh, or to make differences in that one because the picture we are getting from the US Silicon Valley ecosystem, for example, is especially not the reality um, on how this works because especially in the Silicon Valley, um, it's only allowed to fail if you have the right networks who will support and be your backbone if you're failing and give you the next C-level management job, for example. And um, it was quite funny because a few weeks ago, I've read uh, a tweet and it was like, um, what do you think? I'm not able to skip my Stanford University um, degree because my whole community um, pledged together to get me here. So it's not possible for me to skip this and just try to find out if I'm able to be a founder or not. So failure is something really connected to privilege and to money in the background, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely education-wise, you pay a lot of money in America to, to um, follow up your education, to get your education. And on the other side, Definitely in, a, in startup world, there's you can bootstrap a lot, but there's probably a limit to how far you mm -hmm. get without money. And then you, if you are get your investors in, they have a saying in your company. There's like you can't ignore them that they gave you money, so they have they have a certain saying in in your in your decisions. And then um, there's another point you can open up the argument that like there's less money in in Europe or Germany than in the US. But um, let's skip that for now and let's go to the other topic you said. The founder teams look quite similar. Homogeneous. Homogeneous. So um, what do you mean by the homogeneous? I believe I know a bit, but it would be better if you explain it uh, to the audience. Yeah, sure. Uh, so what I mean by that is that when we are looking only on our venture numbers, for example, we have in total a lot more all-male teams then we do have one female founder in the last five years. So um, the, we changed that and we changed that by doing um, and giving ourselves a mission adventure to become a safer place and to stand up and position ourselves for um, diversity and um, equality. But we are one of the only ones uh, in Germany positioning ourselves in that way. Um, and what is much more important on that point even is gender is just one um, uh, one uh, category of diversity. 
uh, and even binary gender, so male, female, is a small piece of gender diversity, for example. So, and what we are seeing now in the startup ecosystem is that we are we have a lot of initiatives focusing on these gender objectives, but the whole other I don't know how many 60, 70 diversity categories um, are not even taken into account. It starts slowly um, and it needs to start somewhere, but I think we have to be much more faster to become more diverse and have not only all male team aged between 20, 25. Um, and funny thing, that's what we all imagined to be a uh, surprisingly performing unicorn startup but the figure shows that most of the founders are between 30 and 40 or more precisely 35 when they found their company um, and their startup uh, yeah so there there's a difference between what we all associate or associate I'm not quite sure or what we imagine what startup team looks like um, and what figures show us, um, and that the main problem, you only can be what you see, um, and so we only see white male teams, and that needs definitely to change. It's kind of interesting that you say there are a lot of more categories, how you can diversify. Um, I question myself, like, okay, if you would see a male funding team, like, of 20 to 26 years old, you probably find other categories, how they diversify. So, but how do you prioritize them? Like, how do you know this is a good category, which means it brings real diversity into it? So how, how do you, like, what is the feeling? Well, it's more important to have um, critical actors than just tokens for this category of diversity. For example, uh, if I'm behaving like a man, um, I'm not a critical actor for more gender diversity because I'm totally behaving like men and so I'm not diversifying anywhere or anyhow. Um, so that's the first step. So you just have to talk and especially to listen to people, how they articulate themselves how they present their founding idea um, and then they for example you do have some categories where you can imagine from your perspective for example if they are people of color if they are men or women but be aware of you never know if there's a male or a female person behind that or if this person identifies as this gender as you subscribe uh, or as you imagine it for them um, and then there are a lot of more things like um, chronically illness for example or um, taking care or um, doing care work uh, for uh, older people or for your kids or whatever um, so I think you you should not judge which are the most important ones because they are all important. But what you have to decide is where to start 
and how to think it as much as possible inclusive from the beginning on. So especially when we are focusing on gender, we are thinking about it in an intersectional way and just keeping in mind that not only focusing on gender means don't take care about other groups. So be as more, mostly inclusive as you can be. So um, if I understood it right, like you said, like the main... Uh, or like one of the um, plus points of um, thinking real diversity means you get a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different opinions, a lot of different strengths into your team you wouldn't have otherwise. Just right. because the other experiences people got into it make it more likely that they bring this, um, this traits into it, which wouldn't mean that like if you have a whole male team they wouldn't have it but it makes it probably less likely that they have this kind of experience and this kind of certain critical yeah, thinking, I mean, different perspective there are a lot of examples where exactly that is the case we can start with apple watches and their health system they they, they just forgot that women do have a cyclist uh, and that their health app is not tracking that and so that they have to face some errors because it's not functioning with a women body because they are all male, right? So that's the first one. Then we do know that there are issues with um, sensors for your wash, uh, washing your hands for the soap um, and the drying machines because the sensors are only trained with white skin. So, um And that would not happen if you diversify your team and if you have as much perspective as possible. Um, uh, another example, target groups. Uh, you don't know, or I don't know as a white uh, cis woman, how other people not in this category feel. So uh, how can I imagine what would solve their problems? I can just suggest, but I don't know. So I have to ask people who know. Um, yeah, and that's definitely something that makes it better to be more diverse. So your prediction will be it, it's absolutely needed to build a really good product in the future to to have diverse teams. Otherwise, you you have like you have um, a likelihood that like you don't build the best product possible. Right. Like we see now like, like this example. 100%. But important, you should empower all this perspective to be critical actors and not to adapt to the system because then they are not diverse. You know what I mean? It's just um, if you are not feeling safe enough to uh, communicate your real perspective or your real um, ideas because you think someone could judge it in a bad way or whatever, then it's not, that's not the best way. Then it's just like tokenism. You just put them all in one room, but they are all speaking the same three phrases, for example. <laughs> Um, but what is important is that they all speak their own truths, kind of. That's it. That's a uh, um, that's a challenge in itself for all companies, right? 
like it doesn't matter Definitely. how diverse they are um to be able to motivate your employees that they are speaking the truth how they really feel without being scared i would say that's a like a challenge all companies have and face and need to overcome first like let's put the diversity topic a bit out of this range because it's playing into it but it's probably a main topic mm -hmm. even if you have a whole white male room it's still a challenge that you need to motivate them to say the absolute truth and not like following Definitely. along um well, what's your experience there to to help us to open this up like or yeah what what's your your take on this topic to if you would give advice to companies listen without judging um and having a positive mindset or a positive humankind uh, in mind, um, because that leads to your own behavior and not being um, unrespectful or disrespectful. And I think it's important to try to understand why people behave like they behave, even if I'm not a do not agree to that behavior um, and to be uh, in a position and in a self-understanding that I don't know nothing at all and I have to learn. I have to learn a lot um, and I have to apologize if I'm doing things wrong and if I'm hurting people with my behavior and hurting people with my behavior starts with using, for example, false words um and there are a lot of words we can all imagine where a lot of discussions are going on and um yeah so you have to build as a leader from my perspective um safer spaces in small groups but company-wide and community-wide to make sure that people are allowed to behave in their own truths But now coming to the uh, Grundgesetz. <laughs> uh, so um, keeping the borders and the Würde des Anderen. Hmm. Dignity. To dignity. Dignity, yeah. 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 So where the dignity of the other person starts, there ends my dignity. Um, and that's, that's an easy phrase, but to live... Uh, it's really hard. Um, but that's something that definitely helps. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 a cool concept in itself, but it's really hard to, to well, like, if we if we see it in the settlements, like what empathy means, like, probably it's 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 easier to spot if, if dignity itself is hurt in a big way, mm -hmm. it's easier to spot and, and, um, and challenge and, and fix. But especially this, the small ones you said, um, the small hurting ones, uh, it's probably harder to see that and to, to work with that. Yeah, and the first step is to empower the... Um, um, when we're talking about hierarchy, the best way to make sure um, that you're creating a safer space is empower the ones with the with the less power 
to be the powerful. So to top down and change totally the hierarchy system. And that's mostly the, um, or this is a really effective step to question everything and question your own behavior in a lot of ways. So if not the person with the most power hierarchically or formally or institutionally is the one um, setting the rules and setting the boundaries, or if you turn it around and the one with the less power do so, that's changing a lot. And that's my my belief too that the person with the uh, lowest power is the only one who can define if a space is safer or safe or not because that's the uh, the perfect state of um safety i would say so that's the way how you can check if you created a safe space so if the person with the lowest power um, feels comfortable enough to speak up then that is know. yeah yeah describing it with a power level yes but it could be also um for example um coming out having coming outs or whatever so everything that is normally um something that undermines your power in the actual society or um legal system uh that is something where you can have a proof on how is it going and how is it working. But it's uh, nothing you achieve from the beginning on. <laughs> it's hard work or tough work. Yeah. I have a, I have a different question. Like, because um, if I think about, I see like one of the big issues in our world is that like, uh, there are too much opinions out. Like everyone thinks that their opinion is worth listen, listening to. So they spread out like, Another opinion, another opinion. So and if you would create such a space, you would get a lot of more, probably a lot of more opinions. So mm -hmm. how is your perspective on that? Like that, at least what, what I sometimes have the feeling that like too much people have the feeling that they should also add their point to it. Even if, if you would see it on a neutral point, you would really say, ah, probably you should it's not it's not a like your your opinion is not so much worth how you would how you think it is yeah so the first step is who is judging which opinion is important and which one is not and the second one is um there's an an awesome um scientist she's uh, she's not alive any longer Vera Birkenthal, and she said the important thing is to agree that we disagree. And I think starting from that point on, it could be really fruitful to have a lot of conversations and a lot of opinions and a lot of arguments and conflicts if we all have the same mindset that it's totally okay to agree that we disagree and to find a way to move on from that point on. So. Um, so out of your perspective, it's always worth to following in this discussion to maybe find alignment. So if we see on a, if we stay like right now, the Corona situation is still going on. So you would say it's worth to listen to every opinion to, 
to Corona, even if the person has no clue about viruses, no clue about anything. But you say it's worth to go into this discussion and to listen to their opinion and to talk to them, even if, um, like, yeah, even if their opinion is not really fact based at all. Depends depends on the question or the decision that is being made, because, for example, if we are talking about um, who should be vaccinated, I would definitely say no. That's part of science. So there we do have a lot of experts and it does make sense to have people with expertise in one field to listen to. But when we are talking about how to communicate with people about corona, for example, or about vaccination, we have definitely take into account not their opinions, but their, um, their circumstances or their ideas why they are arguing in that way um, and I'm not saying that we have to take them more into account than others I think the the um, mm, the mo main problem at the moment is that a small group of people who's really loud and um, does make a lot of noise a lot of people listen to them instead of taking into account that this is just a small group. So they are listening to their opinions more proportionally than it should be. But nevertheless, the opinion opinions are important to understand what's going on. So, but if we go back a bit in the, in the company um, environment, like all your... Um, smaller groups if we go in a diversity direction they would be also like just a single person or like a two-person group like a small amount of people in the whole group so how you how you make sure that their part is worth listening even if they are a smaller subgroup of the whole group if we like go on with this with this metaphor with this uh with this point That's a good question. I think it's um, it's part of the leadership to take to listen and to wait um, and to balance. But the other way around, um, what makes sense that only two of ten people speak and they speak loudly, and so we are listening to them. I mean, it's uh, it's the same about extroverts and introverts, right? So how can we make sure that introverts um, are able to um, interact and um, yeah work or are here? Or how can we um, sorry? <laughs> how can we manage that introverts are also able to give their perspective even when they are not in a position? for themselves that they speak out loud, for example. So we as leader or leader, we have to decide and manage to empower people and voices and to listen to them. Especially, um, I like this concept because out of the perspective of, of alignment, it's really important. Like one of the, like if you, if you see it out of an agile perspective, like in the agile world, Your goal is to um, to let the people work 
in a team direction of a goal and and let them work on them like like on themselves like you don't tell them do that 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 you say to them okay that's the goal find together the best way to get there and to have this concept working really well you, you need a good alignment so everyone needs mm -hmm. to understand pretty well what's the goal and how the team works and then through that you get a really nice performance out of that and out of this perspective alignment is always a, like a difficult topic which is hard to reach but if you reach it it's, it's a big factor of a good success so and in this context as a leader um you get only alignment if you also get the whole group with you and also the introverts and all the other points and then you get it only if how you said like you create a safe space or the weakest the weakest member of the group is hurt and it feels feels comfortable to say something and um at the end as a as a result you get a nice alignment of the whole company the whole team however big you set the group yeah i would say getting alignment is much more um than creating a safer space i think it's um to communicate or to find for each person their personal why and if they are able to align with the companies, why or not. I'm not saying that anyone could work in any company, for example. Um, but if there's a right match and fit, it could perfectly work out. And I think that um, there is a place for each person, and but the person needs to be listened to uh, so that the person can articulate and say have a say what they want um, and so companies for example can figure out if they're dismatching their own why and their own structure or not and the other way around um, and I think we will see how this whole thing will develop because um, in the future when it's all like they predict because of Fachkräftemangel and uh, we do not have enough people doing the right jobs and so on if, like in, uh, in market theory, this whole thing switches because the power from the companies goes to the people and they can decide and, um, yeah, uh, make the rules how to work. Or if this all is only theory and capitalism will find a way to... Uh, hold the power by the companies. I'm really, yeah, curious, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> That's, I think, my political science background coming in. Um, how this whole how this whole systems will all develop and change or not change. Uh, yeah. We're also my next question, because you, you gave some nice examples um, how companies failed a bit because they were not able to bring diversity in and then didn't build a really good product, just built a product which missed some things. And um, do you have some some good examples? Because your accelerator really focuses on diversity, try to involve that, try to push that. Do you have some some examples, nice examples where you see companies thrive with diversity and and helps them to grow? And maybe we can't know now but maybe we see this concept win in the long term 
Well, I'm not, um, from my perspective, I would definitely just say yes. <laughs> uh, but um, it's too early that figures could show because um, we just started last year with this mission and it's only the second batch where we can see some um, implication in our team and gender balance, for example. So um, I would say what, what we can say is that our that the topics our startups are focusing on are getting much more diverse. And that's something um, I'm really also curious about for the future. Um, if the technology development, and I would say it's going to be separated in no-code, low-code, and back-end, deep-tech code, whatever, these two categories of startups will arise, I think. And I, uh, and the, the deep tech startups will provide the low-cost startups the, the ability to um, do their business without techies in their team, for example. Okay. It's, it's kind of polemic, but you know what I mean, right? Okay. And I think this, if this prediction is right, Technology is there to enable in this low-code, no-code sector a lot more diversity in a really fast way. Because what we are facing at the moment is that women, for example, are dropping out at 35 of the IT um, system because they don't want to be anymore in this space. Um, so we do have issues coming back to the point 35 is that age people found their companies. And um, so when we now think about that, you don't need the IT competencies in your own team because you have this low-code solutions, then I think we will have kind of a boost regarding diversity because a lot of more people who are not skilled to code can do kind of tech startups is it logical for you i i, mean, I was like it's an interesting theory it's a really interesting feel to be honest first i never thought about it that like the that if you want to build a startup you should have some tech knowledge or you should have the skill to get the tech founder on that's like also one of the biggest issues of all founders hey i have a good idea can you help me to build it? And um, mm -hmm. my advice so far is uh, if you can't spend the money because developers are expensive and if you just take them for free, it's kind of a luck game because developers are really spare. They have a lot of options. So they could just go away and do something else. And my advice so far is then just um, fuck it. It's not rocket science. Just learn it yourself. Like just learn to code yourself. Take your time because Rome is not built in one day. Like don't, don't be frustrated. Hey, I want to have it tomorrow. No, take your time, learn to code, and then you you will you will succeed, or you can try it out yourself. And that's the tech thing is not a road blocker, which also plays a bit into your um to your theory because if you if you get with low code provider, then you would be able to faster create your product. The only downside is, or maybe is then the the um the proving of your of your theory is that like everyone is able to do it easier right now is right. you have a little advantage because the tech thing is still there and 
everyone else gets, which has no tech background, is gets stopped on a certain point. And uh, at one point, it's just like, what makes you unique? Like, what's your USP? And you need to kind of be able to to hold your USP to be able to to survive in a competitive market. And um, yeah, but sorry to interrupt you, but e-scooters, I mean. That, that's nobody, the one winning with the most marketing budget, right? Yeah, uh, nobody said think... that e-scooter will survive. Nobody said that. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, like we yeah. talked there about like five to ten years, not like uh, one or two years. I definitely agree with you. It's kind of interesting to see the space right now. Um, but uh, the game is not over. Like, it's not, it's not, it's not mean that like the whole e-scooter market is there to be. It's let's talk in two to three years again and see if, if they're still there or how developed. And maybe it's yeah. going into monopoly that would be maybe also a way to survive. So if one buys everyone, that's that's a thing. Yeah, but, you... but what I'm saying is you're pointing on, I would say, let's um, um, intellectual property startups, for example. That is the only point for me proven where a USP in technology is given and that are really really few startups um from my perspective yeah we so could, we could also tackle it on a different way there's also the theory that like if you build a company um you shouldn't focus so much on the skills of the people you should focus on the like you shouldn't focus on the knowledge of the people you should focus more on the on the skill of the people and like how they perform on itself and then that they should Definitely. be able to also perform on a certain different topic because you never know mm -hmm. what's come up like you you never know how to need to change especially if you if you're kind of in touch with technology even if you would be on the low code side um one of the biggest uh, features or biggest use piece you could have in the future is like to be able to adapt on on right. a changing market on a changing technology on changing whatever totally and, agree and if you are right diversity could be a biggest usp like if if the whole thing what you said and what you what you said like which like the the upsides of it then this could be a usp which helps you because your people would be better skilled and better be able to adapt and so on and so on and um and but like how you said like if you are still in the beginning and you say there is not so much numbers on there it's just something you try to build up and you try to push to prove or to show that that this is the better way to go this will be really interesting to see as uh, in numbers on a long run long run like yeah because um if this is the better way to build companies it would be really nice to see how companies with that will will grow will like will be more strengthful like it doesn't need to be like the biggest scaling whatever like that's it's it's more about sustainability to be able to survive for a long long time and to to just build up a solid company so yeah. will be interesting point to see in the future and if we see the diversity thing on the on the whole um whole um market or like the whole country um there is also the next steps be done with um see the like the woman quota like the frauen quota they push mm -hmm. now in over the um regulatories and of course you can argue now like yeah it's a bit stupid because um the gender one is just only the one thing but 
at least it brings some diversity in. Like uh, I yeah. think if we if we look on the director's board, there's uh, how many like 80%, 90% men, like some some, yeah. some really absurd high number in. And yeah. my gut feeling also tells me that like hopefully that brings a lot of um better results for the whole economy because I hope that like if there are like some more women on a on a on a certain board of a certain big car company, maybe they don't do much so much cheating. Hopefully. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. You never know. But um yeah. But I think there is um one point I would like to make um to the definition of better because what we are discussing now is is totally in the sense of capitalism and um um yeah wealth grows for companies and so on and the other perspective is better means equal and um justice i mean at the moment we have not at any point equality and we do not have justice we have a lot of discrimination in the system itself and so from my perspective even if for example uh, i would say if returns are getting down they are getting up studies show but even if they are going down we have to take that into account to get equality and justice for the whole society and citizens and not only for a small group of it so um and that is leading to what are the real costs of a product and the real cost of a product should include uh unpaid care about care work for example so the ones who do paid work are able to do so because others are taking over the unpaid care work what we are not taking into account but what we are now facing is um co2 uh prices um and how they have to be included in product um costs for example and there are a lot of more of these costs no one takes into account at the moment because that's how it is <laughs> but when we are thinking really really deep about what are the real costs to build such products i think we will end up on a totally shifting system of what products are really making money and what not yeah it's a challenge we all face as society so we need not like at least not in germany we not only build we build it now a social capitalism social market system but we probably need to go more on a social sustainable market system to um keep our world uh, a worth living place and that's something um which the society needs to face next and um to mm -hmm. build a society in this direction the only thing is what i think is like it's hard to abandon capitalism because at least in history it showed um um capitalism kind of won against the other system which was really there to try to get an equal <laughs> equality between the people yeah but i mean my, i mean it's fine if you're working in the capitalism you only have to take into account the real costs for a product yeah definitely. That's, that's, all. that's that's something about for allowing us to to create laws which which 
helps to motivate companies a bit more to go in this direction because how like how do you do it normally they say hey would you be so kind to do it on yourself and then they figure out okay the company just doesn't do it or it doesn't work because people don't buy the product like uh, just example uh, i think merkel as as she was not a environmental minister mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like before she became chancellor she talked to the um the car companies and said hey can you build a cars which uh, burn less fuel to help our environment it was in the 90s like really only beginning on climate change or like at least on awareness of climate change and if i'm right they did they, they did it they built really nice little cars which just don't burn much fuel but the customers just bought only the big suvs like mm -hmm. and so the market on itself decided okay sorry but that's not needed right now and then well you the market or the marketing Good question. I don't know. But uh, on the other side, um, people are also a bit selfish. So a lot of people, maybe that changes also more in the future, but that's how it is right now. So sometimes you need to force also the people to their luck through taxes, for example, or through whatever. So I don't know. Um, it's, it's um, yeah, that's, that's, at least that's how I see it. That's a, that's a challenge of, for society to, to kind of move it in the right direction and motivate people to do the right thing. We can agree on the last one. It's not easy to motivate people to do the right things. <laughs> correct, correct. So um, you became a managing director of an accelerator. Um, if a young person would decide, that's cool, I really like that, I want to do something similar and I want to do the same, what would you tell them to do? To, to which steps should the young person do to get into a similar position hmm. well as i mentioned in the beginning i never imagined to become ceo of an accelerator and if i would ask my 25 year old self i wouldn't imagine either and now i'm 35 so uh, even 10 years back i couldn't or five years back i would say i couldn't imagine to become in that position. So, uh, but what helped me was uh, following my own way and being able to change my opinion about myself, my career, and to learn the long or the whole way um, and to, and I'm, trying so right now too but making myself free from judges of other people or to prove and really question who is allowed to judge me and when you really think deep about that question it turns out in the end it's only yourself who's able to judge about you your decisions and your past um, and I can say for myself thinking about my 18-year-old self, for example, and comparing it where I am now, it's something completely different because back then I wanted to be a teacher living in the whole, uh, in the small country I was born and whatever. Um, so it turned out <laughs> completely different to that now. Um, 
And that's something I, I'm really proud of that I achieved that for myself. Uh, um, yeah. So I can, I'm not able to say you have to study for, I mean, who could imagine studying physics and history of uh, to teach children, uh, turning that down, studying history and political science as bachelor, then studying um, civil society and, democ uh, and democracy as a master degree would help to become CEO of an accelerator. <laughs> That's a definitely, definitely a good point. And um, would you say your path you took was different for you as a woman? Or would you say? Yeah, definitely. And it will, that? and it will be. Um, because I'm losing a, a lot of my energy um to um uh verteidigen oh i'm sorry to defend um, yeah yeah sure <laughs> to defend my own position and my expertise so um because i i'm always kind of being proofread by a lot of other people um and completely different spaces for example at work i'm only uh, i'm always being proofread if i'm capable if i'm the best one to lead this accelerator do am i doing my job right um and women are at the moment hold to a higher account than male counterparts are And that is nothing that I is just in my mind. It's something that uh, a lot of studies have figured out. Um, and this is especially doubled, for example, because I'm one of the few CEOs of an accelerator. Because you do have a lot of head of programs as women, for example, but the the really CEO of a GmbH is, is uh, only a few and honestly i don't know even one other um but that could be my bias but yeah so um that's doubled and the other way around in a family context not my one but in a private context one anyone is like uh what are they doing with their children <laughs> uh or their child um and uh It's it's kind of typical that, for example, even when we are all saying at the doctor, the kindergarten or whatever, that my husband is the one taking care and the one to be informed, who's ringing who? They are all ringing me because I'm the mother, kind of. Um, and when I'm saying, uh, well, uh, that's the wrong number, <laughs> it's like, what? But you are the mother. <laughs> And it's like, yeah, but um, yeah, so I think a lot, a lot of things to face. And um, that's something from my not mother self experience. Um, I've got more respect after giving birth than before, because now I have the badge honor to be a working mom. And that's kind of stupidity from myself that I can't even handle. <laughs> It's like, wh what the hell? I mean, um, yeah, 
I'm not aware that any working man is getting this on a badge. Um, and it's like, yeah, definitely something uh, is, associated to be a woman. Which, which is kind of interesting because if you take your role as a dad seriously and they don't say, hey, um, mom does everything with the kids and I'm just there on a weekend or something and I on the rest of the time I work my I just work hard. Then if you take your dad role really seriously and you try to make it equal, then it's it's really hard to have kids yeah. and still perform really well. So I would like to also have the honor badge, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, definitely, definitely. It's kind of interesting. Did you try to to come over the stereotypes and just write kindergarten and school, or whatever, just write, hey, by the way, call this number first. And then if you don't reach it, this number to just help them a bit to get over the stereotype that you call the mom first. Yeah. This is yeah. work. But yeah. Yeah, but that's what I meant by um, it's grabbing all a lot of more of my energy than it would in a, a, a normal, let's say, uh, um, setting. Or uh, because yeah, but I don't like this normal and unnormal or whatever category. But you know what I mean? It's like um, it's. It's costing my energy to educate the other ones that they have stereotypes and that their behavior is not like treating us as parents equally, for example. And it's it's uh, also the other way around. For example, the uh, um, the templates for Etangeld and the templates for Rentenversicherung. Um, uh, were all written to the mom. But yeah. in our case, it was um, my husband. So it was a dad uh, who should fill in this templates and so on. So um, it's really, really inherent in the system, this whole uh, thinking. And that is costing a lot of energy on both sides, uh, my man uh, and my side. But yeah. Yeah. It's it's out of my perspective. I completely understand what you mean, but uh, if you see it all, like as an entrepreneur, which means you want to make a world the world a better place, so it means you want to change something. It's normal that you need to fight and work for it. So it's as soon as you don't completely accept the world as it is, and additionally, you should always accept the world as it is because um, that's it how it is. But like you should additionally try to make the world a better place in all in all means. Which then immediately means, oh, by the way, you need to fight for it because that's how it is. If you want to change the world, you need to work and fight for it because that means that you get the roadblocks, which are already not like how it is. And you need to fight certain against certain resistance because people like to protect how it is because that's how humans feel more comfortable. Please don't yeah. change. I, I agree to some degree, but I would say a founder could choose the battles and the battles I'm fighting, I'm fighting because of my identity uh, and not me, but also people of color, for example. Um, and I think that's, that's a different thing. And it's, um, 
more weight on my shoulders, kind of. Because I am also choosing my battles. For example, who am I discussing with or who am I giving my energy to educate because I think it makes sense or not. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm not able to choose why I am discriminated, kind of. You know what I mean? Does that make sense for you? <laughs> yeah, I, I completely understand. On the, on the other side also, it would be stupid to try to do, educate everyone and to make right. everyone to understand, to follow you. Even if you would say, as a white person, privileged person, you would try to fight for climate change and argue with people why they should turn off the light. Uh, you would run into the same challenge that like it's really energy trying to to um to discuss to them into that or to argue with them why it's better to do it this way even if you would argue now back that like um you could make a pause of this battle because um not everyone would come automatically for you and asking you for your light advice um <laughs> but um but light advice i like that one <laughs> but at the end at the end yeah um um, probably not one person will change the world alone. It's always never as, as a movement on itself. If you help people to understand your ideas and your innovation and, and are able to motivate them to fight for your own cause, um, change always happens slowly and incremental. It's never like one and zero. It's not like, never like tomorrow everyone wakes up and we completely change. It's like if you look back 60 years later, you probably see a change happened and this happened because everyone did their little part to it. Yeah. So you, you said already a bit about working life balance. So how, how, how do you think about this whole topic, work life balance, especially in the regarding of family, because family is like, it's, mm. it's more interesting than you say, Oh, by the way, my hobbies I do on the weekend. Yeah. Well, I would say I do not have a hobby besides, uh, uh, my my family is the wrong framing, but let's put it the other way around. I'm so passionate about diversity and especially entrepreneurs as blended value incubator that I'm totally fine that I'm not having as much as other people do have free time. Um, for me, it's is more important to have a balance um, in my life so that I know I'm, I'm in a good mood, in a good working mood. I'm able to plan my life mostly autonom uh, autonomously um, and setting my priorities how i define them and not being defined by others um and that's really important for my balance and, and i'm avoiding the word work life balance because i am also life at work you know what i mean it's like yeah. <laughs> um from my perspective it's not able to separate that um and that's coming back to how we do create work environment and space. And I think it's really important to be 
also human in the workplace. And I would say it's totally normal that a worldwide pandemic leads to a less work power, for example, because you're um, so much struggling with your emotional health, for example, that you're not able to divide this um, or to balance this at all. Um, yeah. But if I do have free time, I really love to be in the garden, gardening, <laughs> building, building little walls. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> cool. But um, probably also to, to be able to set your own priorities, it helps a lot that you're also aligned uh, with your partner and aligned in their priorities i would guess, yeah, yeah definitely definitely the family is a big part um you should be able like you should align with your partner and um and go from there and which i also really really like like if you go back into stereotypes i like it if there's no stereotypes there like that the that the um man is the working part hardworking part and the other one takes more part of the family or the other way around so mm -hmm. in my experience i like it really much if you are open for both directions and you figure it out with your partner to see what's right now for the next years makes the most sense and then go from there and um yeah and um i mean it's not been equal for us so equality would have meant we are all stepping back both 50 percent But uh, in reality, I only um, uh, dropped out for Mutterschutz and then got back 100%. Um, and my, my husband uh, stepped down. Um, and that's not equality too. So um, not the best way from my perspective, but it was a way we, we discussed. And um, why we decided so was like, um, it's much more easier for me as a woman to step back and step down from 100% as the other way around to come back if you're starting with 50%, for example. And then after three months, you say, oh, it's working so fine. I can step in fully. That's, that's not really working at all. Um, because for women, you often uh, employ replacements, for example, You don't do so often for men. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hmm. So, but hmm, question: Do you think it will be will be possible in the future to to do a fifty fifty? Because that's an interesting argument, and uh, especially about the equality, which is part of our podcast here. Um, so, do you think it, it's possible in general? If all like if we see now your specific position, uh, in a perfect world, balanced inequality, it doesn't matter what gender you are, both parents will stay same way home or take care for their children, no matter what. But that is a huge utopia, I would say, because we have to overcome gender as a concept. And I'm not quite sure that that will happen. 
at all. Yeah, it's interesting. It's the interesting question. Um, yeah, it's. I always like to think in role models, so it would be good if some, like, if a lot of people are able to produce that, and um, and then to to learn from that. Mm -hmm. So this is also something which probably will be shown in time. Um, and maybe also if we're thinking out that we need to, we can work less. So there's a lot of theory that like probably yeah. it's enough if yeah. everyone works just uh, 70%. Uh, for example, in our podcast, uh, the, the company has a goal, hey, for, for work day, mm -hmm. need to be completely fine. Yeah. That is uh, appeal for everyone, like not only for CEO, all people just work four days and customers also know that and know that, that this is to expect. And this is a consultancy is always like uh, a bit more, even more impressive because consultancy mm. normally the customers depends a lot like your time. So, but also something time will show. So yeah, what would right. you say are your favorite books? Well, Rage Becomes Her is, is my favorite one, I must say. Well, let's say my discovery story of feminism started with um, If Men uh, Explain the World to Me. Uh, that was the first one. And the second uh, one with really impact on myself and my understanding uh, was Rage Becomes Her. Um, and especially for startup ecosystems, I really like uh, the one of Adrian Daub, uh, was das Valley Denken nennt. I'm not quite sure what the English term of the title is. Um, because he, he's one uh, where I'm getting the idea, idea about who is allowed to fail from. Um, yeah. Really nice one. Really small one, really nice one. Um, yeah, for the startups, um, the one I really recommend, and I'm, I've not finished yet, but really brilliant one is Beckable. Uh, it's uh, it's a new one, I think, from this year or last year, um, and it totally makes sense to me how uh, there are seven steps described you should follow to be backable with an idea within startup or whatever. Um, yeah, and it's fun to read. Cool. Cool. Thanks a lot. And the last two questions um, I have is, if you could give a short summary again, what you would say to your 18-year-old self, <laughs> because you, was, you said some nice things already, but could you give a, a summary again if you could talk to your 18-year-old self, what would you tell her? Trust yourself, you're worth it. Cool. And what would you say to your 30-year-old self? Trust yourself. You're worth it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's completely fine. Like, <laughs> it's you you're talking to, so you are, you can say whatever you want to yourself. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Shuya, it yeah. was a pleasure. Yeah, for me too. Thanks a lot for your for your really good uh, questions and listening to me and my opinions. Yeah. Thank you very much for sharing it, and uh, see you next time, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.